that's good. Who was here last week? Well done for returning for part two. So uh, last week I, I started, well, it's not really serious, it's just a long message uh, on having an unoffendable heart. Uh, so essentially the, the premise that, that God desires for us because Christ had one, um, but to have a, a, a heart that doesn't um, respond to the circumstances of life or in relationships with offense, um, but can become to a place of unoffendability, which kind of removes that trigger point of, of pain or reaction to us so that we can uh, lovingly and healthily interact with others, essentially, um, or with the world. And so if we have offense in our heart, it means that when somebody behaves in a particular way that may not be righteous, uh, that we can have a righteous response. And offense is not a righteous response, even to someone else's unrighteous behavior. And if you uh, haven't uh, listened to part one, you can uh, jump on to YouTube and uh, Google search for Paradox Church and you can find it there. Uh, and if you wanna subscribe, I feel like I'm doing social media marketing, um, but that way it'll, it'll pop up. I don't know if you get an email or something um, and you can watch it there. Uh, obviously we don't, um, we can't do live streaming anymore because the internet's not strong enough, but uh, hopefully one day we'll get back to that. It's been good. Uh, we had a, uh, we're getting on, continuing with renovations. So uh, I know some of you might only see this kind of top part. There's a whole other part that is um, less than uh, livable at the moment. Uh, but the plan is for us to move down to the larger hall. Uh, now with developing a toddler program, we're like, well, we need a room for that as well. And so there's just so much uh, to still be done. So please come and see myself this morning or Kev. Uh, Kev's not here this morning, but uh, and we just any help that you have, we will find something for you to do. So please don't hesitate if you think, oh, I don't, you know, what could I offer? If you have two of these things, or even just one of these things, or even if you've got no hands, or just your feet, you can kick some stuff around. Like, we'll find something for you to do. So uh, please come and, uh, and see us, and uh, we would really appreciate your help. So uh, I've got a few more points on offense and how it kind of interacts and some, some ways of understanding uh, how offense works. And the first one is that offense uh, can often be our defense. So offense can be a defense for us. So offense can be a protective function to avoid the pain and brokenness in our own hearts. So something kind of comes at me almost that that's the shield that I put up to protect myself from other people's, um, you know, kind of wounding words or actions or behaviors, but it's actually a defense mechanism that causes me to actually avoid the vulnerability and pain of actually what's going on inside of us. So offense, if you think of it this way, offense builds offense. Yeah? Offense builds offense, a, a protective barrier in our hearts. So we protect ourselves from the pain, from, so from others and the pain that they cause us, even though offense is equally, if not more, destructive for us. Because it keeps us stuck. And we, we project the blame onto the other people and say, well, it's, it's their fault, well, I'm offended at you and what you did. But there's all of this pain and brokenness inside of me, but it also kind of traps that in. So the problem is that offense, um, so the fence that we build to keep the bad out also keeps the bad in. So our brokenness stays broken. 
we stay in captivity, and we actually partner with the enemy to bring greater death and destruction to ourselves and others. So if you build, you know, it's like if you build a wall, a wall is about keeping things in as much as about keeping things out. And I think offense is, is like a surface level emotion, similar to anger. It's like a first response to something. It's a first response to, to pain or other people's behavior. Uh, so you imagine, um, you know, you're at work and your boss does something that offends you and it makes you angry. And the question is, well, first to be asked is, well, why did that happen? To say, well, my boss is, is really, they're just arrogant and, uh, and they, they just never listen to other people's ideas. That's why I'm offended and angry. So your boss, you think they're arrogant. That's probably a judgment. Um, but, and the, but the reason is, it might be a, a correct assessment, but it's, uh, so your, but your response is, so I'm, I'm angry and I'm offended at how they treat me. So that's the surface kind of level thing. And we can leave it there. And that's often what happens is there's, uh, I don't know what draw there. I got no tissues. That's uh, all right. So we have, at the surface level, we have maybe a fence. Thanks. A fence and anger, okay? And sometimes we can just leave it there and we can say, well, yeah, well, I'm, of course I'm offended, of course I'm angry, they're, they're arrogant, they're this, that, or whatever, so that's just how it is. And that's just gonna establish our relationship. I understand you're arrogant and, and I'm good, but you're just, your arrogance is affecting me. But the question is, will be, well, well so why, why do you think they're arrogant? Well, it's because they, they don't listen to, to, what I, to my ideas. I have all these great ideas and they just don't listen to me. So really, the, the problem isn't that they're arrogant. The problem is that they don't listen to me. They don't listen. They don't value my ideas. They don't value my creativity. They don't value what I have inside of me to offer. So the question, okay, so why does that make you angry? Well, because then I don't feel valued. So what's the actual pain that's going on in that interaction? Is the, the, the pain isn't the offense or the anger, the pain is I don't feel valued by this person. Okay, so you don't feel valued, so, then, and then, so what's then can be underneath that? Well, I don't feel valued because he doesn't listen to me and because no one ever listens to my ideas. No one ever listens to my ideas and my opinion. And when we hear words like, no one ever, I don't know if that's got a line there. Ever, that's a big word. No one, that's, that's a pretty big generalized statement, okay? So that's a little trick to, to, to kind of like, okay, so that sounds like maybe there's a lie there. So the lie might be, the lie in that situation might be, my voice isn't valuable. So the foundational lie that I've believed about myself is my voice has no value. So that's what we call a foundational lie. So that means in every interaction in my life, when I'm saying I might not speak up, or when I do speak up, if my ideas get shut down, it, it confirms that lie that I believe about myself that my voice isn't valued or valuable to other people, okay? The problem with, with a foundational lies is that experiential lies get built on top of it. 
So it's a foundation. This is what you learn in a larger house. Um, the foundation is that lie, but then all of these structures get built on top because see, and I can show you, you know, my mom and dad never listened to me. And the, you know, my teachers at school, they never listened to me. And my boss just never listens to me. So I can, we believe it to be true because we believed it at a foundational level, but all through our life, we've seen experience. We're going, yep, just proved itself, just proved itself, just proved itself, okay? So maybe for us, there's a, a foundational lie that my voice has no value. Or there might be something of what we would call a bitter root expectation that no one will ever listen to me. So my experience in life, no one, no one values my opinion, no one ever, so then my expectation is that no one will ever listen to me. And the problem with expectations, they're spiritually defiling in our relationships, so they can actually cause people to not want to hear our opinion. Or maybe it causes us to present our opinion in a way that actually isn't... Um, isn't received well because of how we do it. Because maybe we come across with an arrogance or we come across in a way or we put a demand on someone, you must listen to my opinion because if you don't, I won't feel valued. Because now all of a sudden my action is tied to my identity. And you know how hard this is to deal with people when, when their actions are tied to their identity or my actions are tied to your identity. Is that almost like I have to listen to your idea because if not, you feel offended and rejected and you get angry and all of this sort of stuff when really it's just like, no, it was just a bad idea. <laughs> Maybe there's some judgments there. So we, have, we can have a bitter expectation or there'd be a judgment underneath that because my dad never listened to what I had to say. Maybe that was the judgment to say, yeah, see, and I, and I had it, and you know, all the time, maybe you believe the lie that children are to be seen and not heard. Maybe that was just one of those things where, you know, your, your parents were busy, and they just said, no, come on, you know, children, are, you know, that was a value many years ago. Maybe that was kind of embedded in your identity and your understanding of how life would go, is that, yeah, I'm, I'm meant to be seen and not heard, that my voice isn't valued, but then I judged my parents as being people who don't listen to me. So now you've got a bitter root judgment underneath it. So what we've gone from is arrogant boss all the way down to wounded heart. Now at the end of the day, your, your, your boss could be that. You could make an assessment and go, you know, this person, this is a lot, it seems like there's a lot of pride in their heart. But it's no longer a judgment if this is dealt with. You can look at someone and go, Wow, they're, they're quite arrogant. And you can make an assessment. And even, so in the Greek, when you read the word judgment, uh, it's, it can be, there's different Greek words that can be translated into English as judgment, but they don't, they're not all from the same root Greek word. And that's important because there is something where we see, you know, people say, well, don't judge me. You can't judge me. You're not allowed to judge anyone. You're a Christian. And it's like, well, but if you're a follower of Jesus, then people should make an assessment of your life. That's what you invite people into. Please assess my life. And, and, and make a, a judgment assessment of my life. Not you are this, but this is what I notice about your life. And it's not in Jesus' life, so it probably doesn't belong in yours, okay? But then there's, there are words that are a judgment, like a declaration of that's what it is. But so we, we see now in a simple interaction with a boss at work that all of a sudden it's, it's affecting me so much, but if I only live at the surface level of my offense and my anger and my judgment towards that person, I never actually get set free from what is a really positive trigger to expose the brokenness and woundedness in my heart. It's like a painful situation that actually contains within it deliverance and freedom and life for me. Otherwise, what happens is we avoid any difficult relationship. 
no, I'm, well, I'm not talking to them. They're this and that. And, well, I'm not hanging around those people. They're this and that. And um, well, I'm not going to be part of a church community because they're a bunch of this and that's. I was like, yeah, and possibly they are, <laughs> just like you. Uh, you know, like we're all got our stuff. And I'm not saying that God just puts you in every relationship. Sometimes God will put you in a relationship for the other person's benefit because you actually don't have a whole root system of wounding and brokenness and judgment in you, but you put them in that situation to go, wow, that, my boss is really, really arrogant. I wonder if I can build relationship and build favour to get actually to the root as to what's going on in their heart that causes them to be so arrogant in the way that they come across because they've now probably got their own root system. Well, I have to be loud and boisterous, otherwise people won't listen to me. I have to be strong, I can't be vulnerable because people will take advantage of me. There'd be a whole then list behind their behaviour. And that's been one of the, uh, the things that I've loved in my journey of understanding the language of the heart and the way that the heart works is you start to view people differently and you view them not in accordance with the surface sin, but knowing there's some brokenness in their heart that's causing them to behave that way because I don't think they want to behave that way, but I don't think there's any other way that they know how to behave. But how often have we just been, well, I'm just angry. I just, they offended me because of their action. But it's like, but what's going on underneath in your heart? Because maybe God is allowing that to happen in order to stir up, to bring you healing, not to cause you pain, because the pain's already there. You've just spent a lifetime avoiding it. So if we can get down to the root systems in our heart and deal with those things, all of a sudden, not only does this person's behavior not impact me anywhere near as much, but I actually have the opportunity to be Christ to that person and bring redemption and healing and restoration. Maybe to a non-Christian boss that you're working under. Can you imagine that? That's the way of Jesus. Not to avoid hard people, but to go head on in saying, because I have the answers to this person's brokenness. Now they might not wanna hear it, but if you can build favor and relationship and connection to be able to have those kinds of conversations that all of a sudden sets them free, then they get to be loved and blessed. But if we have offense as a defense mechanism, then we disconnect and we, and we shy away, say, well, that's, that's them, you know, I'll just look after me. But the problem is then, then you've got two broken people in relationship together and they're both ignorant of their own brokenness. They're very aware of the other person's um, manifest brokenness, but nothing about the heart underneath. Is that okay? Another thing offense does is create an environment in our heart that cultivates hypothetical belief systems. Now, I know none of you here have ever done this, um, but I have had one or two situations in my life where I have imagined hypothetically how I would deal, yes, yes, pulling out a gun, that sort of stuff, um, how I would deal with a situation hypothetically if that same situation was to arise again. You know what I should have said? should have said that. Oh, that would have taught him or I should, you know, like we, we start doing that or we start to view someone. So if, I, if, if somebody does something, I get offended and that offense takes root, then I start to view that person's behavior through my belief system of who they are because I've passed the judgment. It's not just something that they did, but it's now who they are. So if we get offended by someone's behavior or words, from that point on, if the offense isn't dealt with, we start to interpret all of that person's behaviors through the lens of our offense. So we judge them as being something, and now all of a sudden, everything that they do, I'm reading them through that lens of the judgment that I've put over their life. Over time, we can build a case against them. 
small things that normally wouldn't bother us about the person, or that may annoy us, but we'd quickly get over it. They get grouped together and feed into the offense in our hearts. So we start almost just making a list of accusation against them and all of the ways that we can prove that they are the person that we have judged them to be. We can then start to increasingly justify our offense because the evidence against the person is overwhelming. Even things that they may be doing that have no bad intent will be interpreted by the offended person in a negative way. And that initial offense could have been totally misunderstood. Totally just a fanciful idea because we've judged not just their behavior, but we've judged the intent of their heart behind the behavior. And we could have totally misread it. I've heard stories of people getting offended and leaving the church because they interpreted something that somebody said that was not in any way what they said. And even when they were confronted to say, no, that's not what they said at all, they didn't, couldn't change their mind. They were so rooted in, their, in that offense and that judgment that they placed against the person, they couldn't even be convinced that it was something otherwise. And this is the issue with offense is that it assumes intent. When we respond with offense, there can be assumption that the other person has an intent to hurt us. So they did that because they're this person or because they're seeking in some way to hurt me. Even perceived behaviors become reality to us because we have judged not just their behavior, but also the intent behind their behavior. If you have an unoffendable heart, when somebody treats you in a particular way, you, you don't, you're not reacting with offense, but you can feel pain because of someone's treatment of you even though you might not interpret it right. And then you can go to them and you can say, hey, I just wanna let you know that when this happened, this is how it made me feel. And their response might be, that is not what I meant at all. I'm so sorry. Or I'm, I'm so sorry that I used that tone. I was actually just, I just come from having a really difficult conversation with someone and then I came and I was speaking to you and I was just really sharp or I was really tired. I'm so sorry that you perceived my behavior or the intent of my behavior in that way. I'm so sorry and it's like, oh, totally understand, uh, like I forgive you, there was, you know, clearly I misunderstood, and then it's all good. Because I haven't, I've been able to come to that person, not build a wall and disconnect, but come to them and to say, hey, I've just noticed like when this happened or when you said that or the way that you said this, how it made me feel, and it, it's all restored, amen. There's no opportunity for the enemy even then to come in and bring division. We leave no gap in our relationship for the enemy to come in. And this is a reality that an offendable heart can become offended with God. So if you have an offendable heart, you create an opportunity to be offended by God, by his actions or by his lack of actions. And this is the thing, when it comes to, to judgments and, and all of this and foundational lies, as much as they can be between us and people that absolutely can be between us and God. And the issue with the judgment is that because it's a spiritually binding kingdom principle that Jesus outlined, it's like if you judge, that judgment will come back against you. The same measure that you use will be measured against you. The problem with the judgment, because we get locked into a judgment, is that if I judge God to be a particular way, nothing can change that until I deal with the judgment. 
I can read that God is different to what I believe Him to be or I've judged Him to be. I can hear sermon after sermon of how God is different than who I've judged Him to be. But my heart will stay locked into the judgment that I've made until I repent of that judgment. So again, learning the language of your own heart, learning your heart allows you to see those things and oftentimes it might take prayer ministry for somebody else to help you to see what you can't see because it's a blind spot in your life. Then you start to go, oh wow, I think I've actually judged God as being like this, maybe because my mom or dad was like this and so I've just put that same judgment that I had on them and I've put that onto God. Because you know, dad just never provided when we were young and so I put that same judgment on God as you can't provide for me. And then there's a whole system of structures in my life where I've gone to self-provision and I'll look after myself because God's not gonna look after me because I've judged him as not being a provider. And the Bible can say, God is your provider, Jehovah Jireh. And you go, yep, yep, well I wanna believe it but I'm actually unaware that I've actually already judged him as being the opposite of that. So we're stuck. So obviously, besides having offense with God or, being, or judging God is an incredibly arrogant thing for us to do. Um, it, it shuts down our ability to walk in truth because the spirit of truth gets silenced to us. We can't hear his voice. He could yell, God could stand before you and yell and scream in your face. But my judgment takes precedent. What God is saying is truth, the spirit of truth, but I've actually shut down the voice of Holy Spirit because I've got all these protective functions going on that don't even allow me to hear the voice of God. Offense with God puts him in the dock like an accused person in a courtroom. Like we're now the lawyer, we're the righteous one interrogating the accused, pointing the finger at God, saying, how dare you? Now it's okay to not like how God is doing things in your life, but to step into offenses to judge God as not being who he says he is. And that's a very different thing. You could say, God, I, I know and I believe that you are good. I know and I believe that you're my provider. I know I believe all of these things about you and yet my experience of you is not that and that upsets me. I don't like that and, and I'm angry, God because my experience of you is not what the Bible tells me, it's not, it's not what I know it to be. And I'm frustrated that I'm stuck. I'm frustrated that those promises haven't come in. I'm frustrated that my, my need, whatever it might be, it's okay to be angry with God. God can handle that. Because He is God and He'll do things in His way. He's not gonna always do things in the way that you want Him to do them. Has anyone ever figured that out yet? Yeah, that should be one of the first kind of lines, signing up. You wanna give your life to Jesus? Okay, step one, you need to know he's not gonna do everything the way that you would do it because that would make you God and him not. So not a good you know, foundation to start the relationship on. So it's okay to have that, but as all of a sudden when you judge God as being something, that's a very, very dangerous place to be in and incredibly arrogant to, to put God in the place of where we are now accusing him of being something that is not. Another thing offense does is rob people and relationships of freedom. An offendable heart, this sounds horrible, but uh, an offendable heart is always waiting for its next person to devour. If I'm free and you're offendable, my freedom will eventually probably stir up offense in your heart. 
This is that spirit of religion that kind of happens. We have people have an, an offendable heart and then religion is tied into that. So their expectations, it should be done this way and in, you know, with, with these things and not like that. And it has to be this and that or whatever. And so then we make a judgment because if everything fits into my boxes, then I'm okay. If anything's outside of my box, I'm not okay. Um, which means we put God in, in that box as well. Um, but if, we, if we're in those sorts of environments, then all of a sudden when the Holy Spirit breaks out and does what He wants to do because He is completely free, that people's response can be offense. Now they're offended literally with God because he's doing what he wants to do. Now they interpret that, well that's just that person and they're just a, a wacko and they're, you know, they're too boisterous or they're too free to do that or you know, whatever it is. But the problem is it's, it's when God wants to do that. So that's our prayer, like every time we gather is like Holy Spirit, do whatever you want. And so sometimes he does whatever he wants. Uh, and then, and was like, and we, I love that. I would rather be surprised by God than just have like the same old, oh, well, I, I, I just assume that's what God's gonna do. Like, surprise us, Lord. Do that. We want the Holy Spirit because he's free to do whatever he wants to do. You know, the New Testament was written looking back and saying, oh, wow, that was God. Even when Paul and they're out there, they're preaching to the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles in the same way that it fell on the Jewish believers. And they're like, oh, that's interesting. We did not expect that because the whole time leading up to that, they thought, no, Jesus came for the Jews. The Holy Spirit's poured out for the Jews. Now all of a sudden he's pouring out on the Gentiles. Wow, we've got a theological crisis right here. But they tied, that's the same Holy Spirit that came on us in the upper room, so God must be doing a new thing. And then God downloads this revelation to Paul. And that's Ephesians, look at Ephesians 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you've heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, that the, and it goes on about that the Gentiles are fellow heirs partakers of the promise and members of the same body. Paul, this is a revelation that was given to Paul many, many years after Christ, even after the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. He's like, wow, we thought Holy Spirit was just for us, but it's actually for everyone. It's for the Gentiles as well. But that's what Holy Spirit does. And I'm not talking about that Holy Spirit's gonna move him, we're gonna write a new testament or something like that. Um, we don't need to go that far. Uh, but it just means having that freedom. So in relationship then, in the same kind of way, like if I'm a free person, now, I'm not free to be arrogant and rude and hurtful, but I'm just free in, in who I am. And if you're not free, if you're offendable, then eventually I'm probably gonna do something that's gonna stir up offense in your heart. Offendable people create an atmosphere of insecurity around them. Those around them can start to behave without freedom in the relationship because they are afraid of the consequences of the offendable person. Offendable people if you, if, you have an, if you feel like I have an offendable heart, I just wanna let you know, offendable people are tiring to be in relationship with because a whole lot of energy ends up being expended managing their offendability. Man, this is one thing in church and it's, it's real hard to do as you're shepherding people because you can have people that um, have issues and they, they have no ability to see, they're not ready, there's maybe not trust built up that, they can, that you have the favor to speak into someone's life. Okay? But you can see offense all over them. And it's really difficult because it's like, well, I don't wanna behave in a way that I know is going to offend you because then you're just gonna get offended and leave. And that's no good for you. Like, I love you enough to say, 
I don't want you to leave because you, you might not find breakthrough and healing and freedom anywhere else. So it's almost like offenses, it's gonna be confronted and it's gonna come up. <laughs> but you're then stuck in this thing, in this relationship sometimes like, okay, so what, how do, I, how do we work around, how do we say it in the right kind of way? So this person doesn't get offended. How do, we, how do we minimize the damage of what is sharing just a really positive, life-giving, truthful thing to, to not have them kind of blow up and, and go crazy? And so I, I, I mean, I tend to just be like, oh, well, that's their problem. <laughs> like, uh, and that's one of the headings is your offendability is your responsibility. But, but it's really hard to manage because we love people so much that we don't just wanna go around just being so free that we offend everybody and then everybody just leaves without getting the opportunity to get healed and restored, okay? So I want you to know, like if you, if you but if you come and you're like, hey man, I'm just really offended. If you, if you talk to me and you come to me and say, Brad, I'm so offended by what you said, my first response is, okay, let's talk about your offendability. Before you, before you talk about the way that you've judged me, let's get you free. And then we can talk about how I'm impacting your relationship. Because when you get free, you might actually realize, oh, actually, it's not that bad, I understand now and I'm not. I'm not judging you because I'm not viewing you as my, you know, abusive father anymore. Oh, praise the Lord. Uh, anyway, side note. Um, so this is the thing, we don't want that kind of eggshell environment where we've, got, where we've got to step kind of around people and, oh, hope, you know, hope this is okay to say. It's like, let's, if we could just have that place of freedom where it's like, we can let Holy Spirit do whatever He wants to do. And we're like, go for it, Holy Spirit. And people might laugh and scream or someone might sit, you know, quietly with their arms crossed. And we don't get offended by that either. Yeah, because free people get offended by people who, you're not as free as me. How dare you be not free like me? Why can't you dance? You know? Why can't you scream out? It's like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, it's a growth point. But, you know, we can judge both ways. Um, so... So to live in the freedom that is your inheritance in Christ, we must be are healed from our offendability. So if I'm offendable, it means that other people have the ability to control my response in a situation, which is a form of self-induced bondage. Having an offendable heart is a form of self-induced bondage. I've put myself in a, in a position where I'm enslaved to you. Because now you're controlling my responses to life because you could do something that's gonna cause me to react rather than to act. So I can assess your behavior and I can choose, this is how I'm gonna act to this person. When we have offense, then we react. We are drawn in, we can't help ourselves because it's sparking something in us. Does that make sense? I've kind of covered this, but offense can often be the result of miscommunication or misreading a situation. Uh, you know, the number of times I've been offended by someone and it turned out that I totally misread the situation. Um, text messages are really great for this, emails. How dare you use that tone in that message? I didn't realize there was any tone, apart from the tone of the message going bing, like, but we get that. And sometimes, I mean, people, I, I oftentimes, like if you wanna have a conversation with me, ring me. If you send me a text message, um, I'm probably not gonna do like a really long text message in reply. My awesome, good on you, or maybe a thumbs up emoji. So I'm like, I don't wanna get into a comment. I don't have time to sit there for hours writing text messages back and forth, and um, if that's the only option. But you know, like I like to converse and talk about things. Um, so if you get a short text message from me, I'm not trying to offend you. Just, yep. 
Offense often causes us to act unrighteously in response. So I've seen in relationships where the initial act that caused the offense was completely outweighed by the responding sinful behavior of the one that was offended. Offense takes the other person's sin, invests it, gets a good return on their investment, and then gives it back to the other person. So regardless of someone's behavior, if we respond with offense, we've opened the door to engaging in sinful thoughts and behaviors. It's just, it is just a demonic open door. I wanna tell you, like this is, I'm, I'm saying this as a, as a spiritual father, like this is a warning to you. If you have an offendable heart, please don't assume that you're discerning rightly other people's behavior or the intent of their heart because your heart isn't pure, because your heart is shut down in some capacity, not completely, but you know what I mean? So you can't hear clearly the voice of God. As I said before, this is a, a I won't say a favorite line of mine, it's one I use often, but uh, my, my offendability is my responsibility. Your offendability is your responsibility. So I can't be held responsible for your offense and you can't be held responsible for mine. I can take responsibility for my behavior. So again, so if someone comes to me and you said this and you did this and you really hurt me, I can say, I'm sorry that what I did caused pain in your heart. Doesn't mean I sinned. Doesn't mean I did anything wrong. There's nothing that I can be held to account, but the way that you received how I spoke caused pain. Well, I had no intent to cause you pain, so I'm really sorry for the pain I caused you. But see, offense is you did it and you did it with intent and you were this kind of person that would do such a thing. It's like, well, I can't, I actually can't, I can't agree with that because that's actually your offense. So you deal with you, I'll deal with me. You be responsible and I'll be responsible. And we all get to be responsible adults in relationship. And this thing, it doesn't matter how long you've been alive for. You could be 99 years old and you can have an offendable heart that is, you've spent your whole life blaming everybody for every situation. And you're one of those crusty old codgers that just complains and whinges about what's wrong with everybody else. I'm trying, I'm planning not to be, I wanna be the happy old senile person, you know? So if, if I am offendable, then someone else can be in control of my behavior and responses. This means I'm irresponsible. I'm unable to respond from a place of freedom. The other, another person's actions control or compel me to act in a certain way. To be responsible for my heart means that I'm responsible. Yeah, that's what being responsible looks like. I'm able to respond in freedom. You don't determine how I respond. You can do something and I can get angry or I can not get angry. I can yell and scream or I can not yell and scream. You know, like I can, I can, I can choose, I can love you and I can serve you and I can bless you and I can speak truth to you. I'm free to respond. I'm able to respond freely and righteously even when someone wrongs me. That's how Jesus could hang on the cross and say forgive them Father because they don't know what they're doing. So when, oftentimes when people hurt me, I'm like, they have no idea what they're doing. 
You know, people, they get offended and, and leave the church sometimes, and you think about the, the journey that you've had because their offense is, they don't communicate their offense with you oftentimes because if they did, you'd probably have a really healthy, life-giving conversation and actually restore the root of the offense and deal with that and everything would be good. But they don't, they choose to get offended and then they leave and you never get an, answer, an opportunity even to have that conversation with them. But they judged you and you are this and you've done this and all that. And my experience of the relationship is I look back and I go, well, I remember that time, the first time that you came and, and we just loved you. And I remember that time that I, that I prayed for you and you had that breakthrough. I remember that time that I sat for hours just hearing your heart and, 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 and doing prayer ministry. And I remember that time that uh, we organized a whole bunch of people to come around and to bless you for your birthday. And that's my history of our relationship, and yet yours is, uh, none of that really matters because that one time you said that one thing and I got offended and I left. That's the measure of the whole relationship. That's really hurtful because like my whole intent has only ever been to love you and yet your response is to get offended and just give a big. It's heartbreaking when people do that. But it's like there's nothing that I could do because someone's already determined in their heart the outcome of the situation. So people go, and people go from place to place, offended and offended and offended. Like if this is your, your 10th church in 10 years, I'm like, there might be something there. You know, it's what we call the common denominator and it, it just could be you. It might not be that every single friendship that you've ever had, there have been people that have just rejected you. Maybe the rejection is in you. So you carry it from place to place. And if you got healed from it, all of a sudden you'd feel loved and accepted by people. Wouldn't that be fun? Fun. <laughs> offense is not your friend. Some people have become very acquainted with offense. Offense ends up ruling their life. They go from broken relationship to broken relationship and it's always the other person's fault. And blame and offense usually go hand in hand. It's always someone's fault that I'm offended. We think that if only the other person hadn't behaved in a particular way, then we wouldn't be offended. The problem is that the offendability was there all along. People use offense to hide from the brokenness in their hearts. It's easier to make someone else responsible for our pain because then we don't have to go through the pain of the healing journey. It's easy to say, no, it's my pain's your fault. My pain is your fault, my pain is your fault. Rather if I said, actually, maybe my pain's my fault. Well, now I have to take responsibility for my heart. Now I actually have to get to know my heart. Now I have to go through all of the pain of acknowledging and recognizing the sinful responses that I made, even maybe as a child, to my parents or significant figures in my life. And, I've, and then I've got no one else to blame. So I lose the power, the false power of everything being other people's fault. But that's what we wanna do. We wanna create powerful people that understand that you are powerful, you can walk in freedom, but you have gotta choose that because God can't make you free if you don't want to be free. He's, God's like, God's happy, not happy. God will allow you to stay stuck. He will provoke you, he'll challenge you, he'll inspire you, he'll have every amount of grace required ready to pour out into you at any moment 
but he doesn't override our will. He doesn't force himself in and make us change. He presents us with the opportunity. But it's painful to do the heart journey. It's actually painful to deal with our pain. It's like opening up a wound that we've just kind of, you know, closed over somehow and it's all festering and, and rotten on the inside and making our, you know, spreading through our blood system and our whole body is now affected because of it. So we've actually got to go, oh, we've actually got to go, you know, that bone that broke that you didn't get someone to look at and it's, it's healed in the wrong kind of way. We actually got to break that bone so we can reset it again. And guess what? That's what, in, in Ephesians 4.11, the fivefold ministry, the word equip, equip the saints, that's what it means. It's a word, it's like a, it's resetting of bones. So like, no wonder the fivefold ministry causes me so much pain. <laughs> there is often a partnership with offense and unforgiveness. They've got lots of points, don't I? That's all right. Often offense and unforgiveness go hand in hand. The offense stops us from being able to truly forgive because to do so would mean they would have to let go of our offense. Because offense makes us feel powerful, doesn't it? It's a complete lie and you're completely powerless because you've handed over your ability to respond to other people. <laughs> so they're actually in control of you, which makes you a slave, which is the powerless position in any relationship, okay? But we don't see that, we just see, no, just having a thing and a judgment, and, oh, I'm angry. You know, like it, it, it feels powerful to, to do that for some reason. But I wanna just to burst that bubble, it's, it's the weakest place to be in. The offense stops us from being able to truly forgive because it would have to let go of our offense. So sometimes we can say the words of forgiveness, but because we have allowed offense to take root in our hearts, the forgiveness isn't genuine. And so all of the negative feelings remain in our heart. This is, you know, one of, one of the first sessions and Amy often teaches us in the Elijah House training is that, you know, you can, there's the forgiveness column. You say, well, I forgave mom for this or I forgave dad or I forgave my brothers or I forgave whoever for this. But unless you deal with the inner vows and the judgments and the expectations, all of those other things, you'll still produce the same fruit that came from that initial wound. You just, you, oh, well, I, but I've forgiven them. So why does it keep following me? <laughs> it's because there's a whole lot more to be dealt with. When we deal with our offendable heart, we are able to freely and fully forgive others and then journey towards reconciliation. Now the point is that offense, offense needs a landing strip in our heart. This is those things where I talked about, you know, having the things, catchment points. But if offense doesn't have a place to land, it'll fly right past us. If I don't have insecurity in my heart, so if my security is in Christ, then I remove a landing strip for offense in my heart. If I'm walking in humility and not pride, I remove another landing strip for offense. So the more that I get healed of my brokenness and my sinful responses, the less opportunity there is for, for offense to come and stick to me. The more we become like Christ, the more unoffendable our hearts become. Jesus, he wasn't offendable. He was free to respond to life. And as I said last week, it didn't make him just kind of uh, like passive in response to things. When he went to the cross, he was silent because he chose to be silent. Not because like, oh, don't, I don't wanna, they've already, you know, whipped me and tortured me. I better not say anything else, you know. <laughs> they might crucify me, you know. Like he wasn't, he wasn't being passive in his silence. He was choosing, no, no, uh, this is the time because they, they need to do what they're gonna do and I need to fulfill what God has spoken. Like he, 
that was a choice for him. And again, sometimes in relationship, people can do stuff and you, you, you don't have to respond. But if you feel like you have to respond, that's, it means you're, you're, you're tied to that. But God might say, no, now's not the time for you to speak, now's the time for you to pray. No, actually, it's, now it's not the time to confront, now's the time to intercede. Or you might say, or you might be on the other side, oh, I'll just pray about it. God's like, no, no, you need to go and talk to them. Now's the time to actually confront that and deal with that because your heart's pure to the best of your known ability. Like you're not responding to them, but you're going, hey, I, I just don't know if that's right. I need to talk to that person. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24 says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my concerns. See if there is any offensive way in me. Lead me in the everlasting way. That's a really good and powerful prayer. But saying, search my heart and reveal to me if there's any offensive way in me because it doesn't belong in you. If someone dishonors me, it's only my insecurity that would allow offense to be stirred up in my heart. Their words and actions may be sinful and hurtful, but I have a choice in how I respond to their behavior. For me, sometimes I just, I, I let it go. Because I'm like, actually, I can already tell. I can just see they're just not at that place to be able to receive that, to understand that. And they're just acting, they're acting out of their woundedness, but they're not wounding me. Because I, I know, I can see where it's coming from. It's like, man, I don't know if they've ever being able to receive love or, man, I could just see the rejection all over their life. So I'm actually, I'm okay with their bad. I don't need to do something about this because I already know that if I, if I challenge this, they'll shut down or they'll go and it's like, okay, we're just gonna build some trust here. But it means I'm free to do that. I'm free to love them well in that relationship because I'm not offended by their behavior. It's not always the right time to point out people's brokenness. Brokenness. It means that I have to take up my cross and carry it for the sake of other people's sin, to walk in intercession on their behalf. And this is the way of Christ. Jesus doesn't point out all of your sin all at once because you could not handle it. He loves you regardless of your sin. His love is fixed as we, as we were praying this morning. It's, it's fixed, it's solid, it's unshakable, it's immovable. Doesn't mean he loves all your behavior. He doesn't love everything in your heart because there's brokenness and there's lies and there's sin in there, okay? But he's okay to say, hey, we're gonna do a journey. We're gonna build some trust. We're gonna connect you to the right relationships and at the right time, I'm gonna drop a bomb on you. No, no. <laughs> but at the right time, I'm just gonna pierce you with my sword of truth and it's gonna get right to the source and it's gonna cut that sucker out. You know, the difference. You know, sometimes you get confronted and you're like, man, that just wasn't the right time for me to hear that truth. Because it kind of can just dismantle you in an unhealthy way. And then there's those times it's like, man, I was so ready to hear that truth. Wow. You know, you can even be like, you know, I've had 10 people tell me that same thing. <laughs> but just right at this moment, it's like, I just know that I'm, I'm, I'm set in this or I'm sold in this or I've, or I've learned the 10 other things that I needed to learn to get to this point that I can receive that truth. 
because I'm in a safe environment or I've built trust here. There's a whole, there's so many intricate things and a structure that the Lord builds around us to keep us safe so He can bring us into wholeness. And that's one thing we don't wanna become as a church where we just, we know all of these things about the heart. So we go, hey, you, you got this in your heart. Oh, I see that. Just let you know, you got this on you. Oh, oh I see that. You know, like we, we don't wanna go around just shooting all this stuff at people because we have sight. Just because you see something doesn't mean you have to say something. Terrorism, yes. Not heart journey. Yeah, it's a little bit different. I'm not trying to stop suicide bombers here, you know? But so understanding there's a maturity that comes even with your side, the more that you learn and become self-aware and emotionally mature and emotionally intelligent that you go, okay, cool, I see something, but you know, now it's not the right time. But I've also deal with, you know, you're dealing with your passivity. So you're also saying, but I know that I could when God tells me now's the time to, to speak that truth and you can. If you're offended with someone, Pray for yourself, but please don't pray for them unless it's a simple prayer of blessing. Prayers from, a, from an offended heart usually aren't pure. So, so, so Brett does something, I get offended by his behaviors. Man, he's so arrogant and how dare, well, I'm just gonna pray for him that God convicts him of his arrogance. Yeah. But maybe he's actually not arrogant and I just misinterpreted his behavior and I've judged him now. So now I'm praying a prayer for God to do something and to kind of control him, to make him and all this sort of stuff. It's like, that's, that's not pure prayer. But it's like, oh wow, I just, man, I just feel, you know, Brett did this or he said this and well, I just pray, I just pray blessing, Lord, because that, I, I pray God that you would do good things and I pray that you'd release blessing and life and that because and, I'm gonna deal with me. Okay, but Father, if there's something there, then I just, I just release you to look after that. But God, I just pray blessing and life and love. And you know, it's like when people cut you off in the car, you just, I just, I, I bless you. I bless you. Not with, not with sulfur, but with love. And you know. You know, sometimes if people would, would, would was, would do something that would be, like their a behavior was offensive, like they would, you know, it was just wrong for them to do it. You pull them aside, talk to them one-on-one -on -one about it. But if you're free from offense, then you confront with, can confront with the right motivation, which is their healing and freedom, not you being right, or you letting them know what they did wrong. But say, hey, I just know, and I see, I see you treating people like this. I, I, I watch Survivor, anyone like the TV show Survivor? This bump, this, this side is anointing. I just feel the anointing over here. Wow, powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, and uh, so, uh, but in, in, the, in the latest American season of Survivor, um, they had one where there was a, a, a lady, so an older African-American lady, and she's obviously, you know, in the corporate world, and she's just super bossy, but she'd kind of stand there just barking orders at people and doing all this sort of stuff. And so one of the guys... In, in, the, in her tribe, kind of pulls her aside and just talks to her, hey, I just wanna, I just wanna let you know some, maybe how you're being perceived and all this sort of stuff, and she just psh, shut him down. Didn't wanna hear anything about it and continued on in that kind of way. But this guy was crying, like, how loving, like they're even in a game where it's like, I'm trying to take you out, but he saw enough and he had enough compassion to go, I just want you to know, I don't think you know how you're being perceived by other people. And that's often the case is that someone can be behaving in a particular way and they have no idea. They have no idea that they're acting in that way. It's like you get home and then and you look in the mirror and you've got a giant pimple on your face. And you're like, wife, where were you? 
I've been preaching, I've been talking to people, I've been wondering why they've been staring at me funny. Like, uh, it's not her fault. Conviction. So what should we do? What should we do? What's a good, what are some good options for you to do if you're offended? First step is invite Holy Spirit to search your heart and to reveal the root of offense to you. If you know, if that language pops in, and don't just re-language it, go, oh, no, I'm not offended, I'm just righteously indignant. Um, call it what it is, okay, to say, wow, offense just came up in my heart. I'm offended, I'm super angry. I'm like, I'm disproportionately angry about what happened there than what I think I probably should be, okay? Then Holy Spirit, why am I getting offended? You know, commit to getting to the root of your offendability. Don't hand over your responsibility. But say, God, I, I don't wanna be controlled by other people's behavior. Get to the root of why is this upsetting me so much? I'm gonna take responsibility for me first. Now, it's good to go to the person and talk to them about how their words, so after you've dealt with your heart, go and talk about how their words or actions affected you, which is, hey, when you did this, I felt this. So you're not saying, when you did this, you made me feel belittled. Because now what I'm saying is, you are in control of my emotions. When I say, when you did this, I, I felt like this. I just, I just want you to know that that action, uh, my response to that, because I'm responsible, I have my, my emotions, was to be like this. So it gives the opportunity for the person to say, hey, I'm really sorry that it affected you in that way. And they can explain, oh, that's totally not what I meant. Or, or I'm really sorry, yeah, you know what, I actually... I was just super, super tired and that was the wrong thing, you know, for me to do and I'm really sorry, you know? And we get, just apologize and reconcile and restore that, okay? Don't go, yeah, when you did this, you, you know, you are this and you should not be doing this. Like, we're not wanting to bring judgment. We're wanting to bring understanding and openness and, and recognizing that as might, it might seem completely clear in your mind as to what went down and what was meant behind it, you could be completely misunderstanding the situation. Um, Matthew 18, 15, this is a, if you don't know Matthew 18, please go home, read it, print it off, stick it on your wall. This is like number one rule for dealing with conflict in relationship. And it is, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and tell them the fault between you and them alone. And then uh, uh, go on to Facebook, post up, a, you know, a, an ambiguous uh, quote about a situation and uh, see how many of your friends like it. No, that's not in there. Uh, so it's go to the person that did something that hurt you. Don't go to your friends and get a whole lot of other people to come into agreement with your judgment and offense about the person, okay? Go directly to the person and say, hey, I just wanna let you know, when this happened, this is how I felt. And look, if, and if there's not, like in the example I used, there's not, if there's not a, a healthy response to that, I was like, well, I didn't you know, get stuffed or whatever. You know, then you go, okay, I feel like we're not getting anywhere here. Um, I'll just let you know, I'm just gonna come and bring somebody else in. Can we invite someone else into this conversation? Because we're not figuring this out. Maybe we could bring somebody else in that could help out. And it's not the person that you'd already spoken to about your offense that's on your side and they've, you've fed, fed all the lies to them. Now they're gonna come with you as extra ammunition. That's not the point because the goal is reconciliation and restoration of relationship, not winning an argument, okay? So then you bring in the next person. If they listen to you, you have gained your brother. Wow. 
You've gained them back in relationship. If they do not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So it might be something that's like, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. And they say, okay, can I bring someone else in? And then those people say, yeah, I've, I have actually noticed that as well. Or, you know, like there's, there's some agreement there. Or actually, it might be that you bring other people into the situation and you actually realize, actually, I've got a part to play in this relationship and what's going on as well. And it says, if they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. If they refuse to listen even to the church, let them be as a Gentile and a tax collector. And it goes on to say, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Uh, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on, on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am among them. Little side note that I like to point out is when people talk about, oh, there's two or three of us gathered here, so God is in the midst of us. That is totally out of context. God is with you everywhere you go. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Please don't corporately quote that scripture in that context because it will upset me and it'll offend me. Then I'll have to deal with my offense and then I'm gonna have to take responsibility. And, but, it, but it's not. It's, it's talking about agreement here, okay? So when we're in agreement, then God's like, yes, there's agreement here. There's a blessing on, on the agreement that you're making here. So one little side point is that if you're offended, deal with your offense before you go and confront the person. Otherwise, you're coming at them with your offense, not with actually the, potentially what the issue is. You might, you could go through this whole process of offense and, say, and come back to this point. It's like, man, I've made judgments. And you might come to them and say, I know you probably don't even know this, but um, I just know, like when this happened and this is how I felt, but God exposed my heart and he led me to the thing. And I've actually judged you in this way. And I just want to repent to you for, for judging you, uh, you know, to, to be this, this way. And, and it's not, and please be free. And, uh, you know, I've asked the Lord for forgiveness for, you know, like we, that's, so all I'm saying is Matthew 18, incredibly important, but if you're offended, deal with your offendable heart and then go to the person and talk to them about what you see the issue might be, amen? The other little point, freebie for you, um, is when, you, when we talk about, you know, kick them out of the church, treat them like a Gentile, treat them like an unbeliever, that word says, it can kind of seem pretty harsh and be like, oh, but the question is, well, how do you treat an unbeliever? Love, compassion, it's not like, get out, you filthy mongrel you know it's like but what I found helpful in understanding this verse is that and I'm we're not talking about like you know someone so um said something and I got offended we're talking about if people are stuck in sin it's it's better for somebody to know where they're at and help them to understand that you're, you're not walking with Jesus rather than to be like oh well they'll, hopefully they'll figure it out we're better to say something and then for someone to go and to, for them to help them to know you're actually not following Jesus right now we love you, we fully accept you, you're welcome here. Like there's, there's no disconnect in the relationship, but there's no good uh, like for me to, to, to continue to encourage you in, your, in, your, in areas that you're just deceived and blind and foolish about. So it's better for you to know, okay, yeah, cool. I'm not following Jesus right now. Good, because now I can repent for my sin rather than be like, oh, that's your opinion, that's my opinion. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, it's, I haven't... <sighs> So keep the focus on recon, uh, reconnection and reconciliation and not on being right. As I said before, if you're the one being confronted by someone, it's okay to apologize for the impact of your behavior, even if it wasn't the intent of your behavior. So uh, my expectation is that we can all live free from offense. Amen? Hallelujah, who wants that? Awesome. 
So little tips, catch the seed before it takes root. Repent quickly. Grab it, learn the language. If you feel like, yeah, I think I have an offendable heart, learn the language of your heart so that you know straight away so you can take responsibility. Not after you've fantasized about hurting that person for several hours and then take, you know, like just quick catch it straight away. I know it. When offense comes up, I know it. I'm like, oh, whoa. Oh, I know that. Yucky taste in my mouth. I, I get it. Okay, God, what's going on in my heart? And then all of a sudden I'm free. And the number of times where I've been like, and now all of a sudden that person's behavior doesn't even bother me anymore because it was rooted in me. I was the problem. Deal with your own heart first before confronting another's behavior. Bless those who curse you. Learn the language of blessing in your prayer. Uh, don't play the blame game. You're the only person that is responsible for your sin. No one can make you sin. You choose how you respond to other people's behavior. Take responsibility for your responses. And when I say you choose how you respond, you might go, no, I had no choice of that. It was automatic. When people do that, psh, automatically offended. People do that, I'm automatically angry. All I'm saying is still, it's just deeper in your heart. <laughs> it's not a choice as in terms of like, oh, hmm, what should I do in this situation? I don't know, I'm gonna get really angry and offended at this person. That's what I'll do. Is that a good idea? Yes, that's what I'm gonna do. You know, it's, it's automated, but it's still rooted in you. And the choice that you made may have been when you were four and a half years old, when you chose to believe the lie that your voice isn't valued or valuable. It's still a choice. So that response is still your choice. So you get to choose to repent and renounce lies and come out of agreement with those things. Take responsibility for your responses. And finally, build your identity on who God says that you are. The more we come to understand the truth of who we are in Christ, the less we will be offended by the words and actions of others. God wants to set your heart free from the bondage of offendability. Amen? All right, let me pray for you. Why don't you stand? Thank you, Lord. Just put your hand on your heart. If you wanna pray, you don't have to pray it. You are free to make a choice. But Father, we just pray for our hearts, Lord. And Holy Spirit, I pray a grace, Lord, upon this community to learn the language of our own hearts, Lord. Father, I pray that even if it's like, if it's gobbledygook at the moment, Lord, it's like I just have no way of even interpreting. We just pray, Father, for the gift of interpretation, Lord, of our own hearts, Lord. When our hearts cry out in pain, when our hearts you know, are impacted by trauma, Lord, when there's judgments and insecurities and all of those things going on in our hearts, Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, for a grace to understand. Lord, before we would even look to try and discern other people's behavior, Lord, we pray for the gift of discernment of our own hearts. So Father, even as you say in, in, in your word in the Beatitudes, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Father, we wanna see you, we wanna hear you, we wanna speak what you're speaking, we wanna do what you're doing, Lord, but that comes and it flows freely out of a pure heart. So we just invite your Holy Spirit to reveal to us, Lord, any offendable way in us, Lord. Search and know our hearts, Lord. We invite you in just to shine your light and to speak your truth and to show us, Lord, because, Father, we don't want our destiny cut short by our offendability. We don't want to live from broken relationship to broken relationship because of our own offendability, Lord. 
And so, Father, we choose even right now, Father, we repent for having offendable hearts, Lord, for choosing to respond to life, for choosing to respond to you, and for choosing to respond to our relationships with offense, Lord, rather than for taking responsibility of our, for our hearts, Lord, and our behavior and our thoughts and our actions, Lord. And Father, we just speak of purity even over our mind and our thought life, Lord, because oftentimes that's where offense um, does the most damage, Lord, in, is in our perspective and sight of others, Father. And Lord, even right now, we bring before you those that even maybe today we feel like, yeah, I just feel like I'm offended with that person. Father, you'd purify our minds, that you'd renew our minds, Father, so that we can see clearly, Lord, that we'd see beyond the behavior and Father, even just help us to be a people of reconciliation and restoration, Father, that we could in our families, Lord, in our workplaces, in every interaction, Lord, that we could be a people that would see beyond even other people's offensive behavior to love them well and to bring them into wholeness, Father. That offense wouldn't become a barrier to your truth and your life and your love being released into the world, God. Father, we acknowledge that offense can even shut down the expansion of your kingdom. So we just bring our hearts before you, Lord. We yield our hearts and we say, Father, search them, Lord. Show us, reveal to us, Lord, and give us that grace and strength to do the journey and, the, and go through the pain of dealing with us, Lord, so that we can be a blessing and not a curse to others, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.